Hello everyone, blessed Sunday. Uh, welcome to Grow Point Davao, and we will continue our series today entitled Rethinking the Church, where we are studying together the doctrine of the church and just think biblically what the church is all about. And as I mentioned last time, that we have two goals adding a series. First is this: to let God's word shape our understanding of the church and our practices in the church. Now, uh, we want to make sure that ang atong understanding and practices sa church is wala nakabase sa kung unsa giingon ni lolo or lola or parents nimo or kung unsa ang tradition or nakasanayan ni mubuhatan. Not even your experiences. We cannot rely on those things. But we want our understanding and practices kay na, na, na shape gyud siya sa pulong sa ginoo. So that's our first goal. And the second goal is this, to know how we as the body of Christ can really work together that makes up a healthy church that we who are members of the same body needs to be aware kung unsa ang atong mga roles and responsibilities so that if ma-aware ta and we do our part with excellence and love that every member of Grow Point Davao is a functioning member it results to a healthy church that's at the, that's our desire right that we become healthy and effective body of Christ so that we can make an impact to the world and today is the part two sa atong series and last time i used the analogy of paul if you remember paninyo the analogy of paul in 1 corinthians 12 you know the analogy of the church as a human body and there are certain features of the body that we are looking at in this study first is the skeleton it refers to the skeletal truths that we need to embrace which is ipadayo nato today and then um, the internal system referring to the spiritual attitudes we need to cultivate and then the muscles and flesh referring to different functions and outward forms of programs. And lastly, the most important part, okay, the conclusion, is the head referring to Christ as the head of the church. And now, um, this is the continuation. Atong buhaton today is the continu continuation sa ato ang, sa ako ang preach last Sunday. Uh, we started with the skeleton, right? And the skeleton gives the framework of the human body. That for us to have a good structure or foundation, we need to embrace these five non-negotiable truths. These truths are unbending. And we're done uh, with the first three last Sunday. And ako lang review quickly. First is, as a church, our ultimate priority is the glory of God because God's church is founded by God and created by God for His glory. That's what we've learned last time. Everything that we do is directed good towards the, that goal, the glory of God. And then we must make sure that God's word is our final authority, not our feelings, not our emotions and opinions and experiences. And also, we have to love sound doctrine so that we can discern what to believe and what not to believe because ultimately what we believe influences what we do, right? And today, we will finish the last two skeletal truths that we need to embrace. So let's dive in. The fourth skeletal truth that we need to embrace as a church is this, personal holiness. Personal holiness. Now, when I bring up the word holiness, what comes to your mind? I want you to participate and comment on the chat box or the comment section. What comes to your mind when you think about this word holiness? 
Now, for some of us, um, there may be images in our minds, right? Right, like long beards, long robes, religious chants. You know, maybe you think of people walking on the aisle, nganaidalang incenso. Sounds like Vincenzo. Okay, incense or incense, right? Now, I would guess that some of you, when you hear the word holiness, assume that it's about um, living morally. I think a lot of people would think that a holy person is a very moral person or a very religious person, like a monk in a monastery or a priest. But if we think of holiness in terms of moral living or being very religious, we are actually missing the very heart of holiness, because if you see in the Old Testament, it's not just people who are called holy. I think, um, think about uh, what happens in uh, Exodus 3.5 when Moses encountered um, God, where God called Moses, right? Um, familiar to in the story. And he told Moses to take off your sandals for the ground he is walking. He was walking on was a holy ground. Certainly, ang ground, it cannot be moral or immoral, immoral right? Or think of the instructions in Exodus 30 given for the construction of the tabernacle where among items such as tables and lampstands and utensils and bowls are to be holy. Now, if holiness just means morality, then what is a moral table? Or an or naaba immoral or immoral nga spoon? Certainly, there must be more to holiness than just behaving morally. So what is holiness then? What are we talking about here? Now, our translation for holiness comes from the Hebrew word kadosh, which means set apart or to separate. One example uh, we find is is in Isaiah 6.3, when Isaiah saw the Lord in a vision and he said this, and they were calling to one another, you know, the heavenly creatures, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, the word holy here means set apart, to be cut off or, or, or separate from everything else. Just like our God, God is holy because he is more set apart from his creation than anything or anyone else. He is distinct from anything that has ever existed or will ever exist. He is unlike any other. As John MacArthur um, writes, he said, the word holiness refers to his separateness, his otherness, the fact that he is unlike any other being. It indicates his complete and infinite perfection. God is holy. That means he is unlike any other creation. And I like what John MacArthur said, um, that God, the holiness, that holiness indicates his complete and infinite perfection. God is perfect. Therefore, sin cannot be in the presence of God. Walay any hint of imperfections nga welcome sa yang presence. He is distinct and totally, absolutely pure. So I hope that you understand that holiness in its basic meaning, it means set apart from what is common. And here's the thing. God calls us um, not just to praise His holiness, but to be holy ourselves. It's found in 1 Peter 1.16. This is Peter's letter to the Jew, uh, to the scattered um, Jews and who are living in an exile. But I believe this is also what God is saying to us as well. Um, since it is written, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So God calls us to be set apart, to be separated from sin and live a different life unlike the rest. 
That's our calling. A life patterned after God who is holy and not patterned after the world. A life that is pure and blameless, not a life who loves wickedness. Jerry Bridges in his book, The Pursuit of Holiness, said this, To be holy is to be morally blameless. It is to be separated from sin and therefore consecrated to God. Now, um, I don't know about you, but this truth of holiness is really a bit difficult to, to understand and live out, right? And I understand what you are thinking now, and I get it. I mean, being morally pure, blameless, to be separated from sin, that is really beyond our reach, right? If we look in our lives, we all have struggles and sins. And on the outside, maybe we are probably doing good. But on the inside, we know that there is something wrong within us. And you might compare uh, compare yourself to others that, you know, I'm better than anyone or than other people. But if you compare yourself before God, you just feel this shame. And guilt in you. And if diri lang tataman, okay, uh, if diri lang tataman, madiscourage you da. That's why we need to really understand that there's two, there, there are two aspects of holiness found in this scripture. And I want to share these so that it will give us hope and also to help us see that holiness is not really a word that we, that we should be scared about. Okay, so the first aspect is what we call the positional holiness. You know, theologians call it positional sanctification. Pariharag good na good a sanctification or holiness, and we understand that we cannot really fix our problem. No matter what you do, you feel that they're still lacking to be accepted by this this holy God, right? But here's a, an amazing truth, right? A freeing truth. Jesus came to make us holy. He came to do His Father's will, and by that will. It's in Hebrews 10.10. It says, And by that will, we have been what? We have been sanctified. The word sanctified here means declared holy or set apart through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So this is good news, right? Which means that though to those who put their faith in Jesus now, right? If you made that decision to believe in Jesus because of what Jesus did on the cross and his victory on the resurrection. Here's the truth. We have been made holy. We stand in a position of holiness. It's a one-time event and no one can and nothing can really change that. The truth is this. The power of the gospel changes our position as sinners deserving of God's wrath to the position of beloved children of the Father and perfect in his eyes. That's Amazing. If you're a follower of Jesus, your position right now, right there in this moment is holy. Tell someone beside you, if nakikatapad, you are holy. That is something that you didn't um, earn, but it's something that Christ has given you the moment you believe in Him. That we as a church is set apart as holy and seen by God as holy, positionally speaking. That's amazing, right? Praise the Lord for that. But then again, that's just the first aspect of holiness. But there's another aspect or dimension of holiness, and we call it practical holiness. Yes, the Bible talks about a holiness that we have in Christ before God, but it also talks about a holiness that we are, we are called to strive after as a church. Because um, although, kabaluta, that we are positionally holy, but we know that there is still sin uh, or sinful nature, right? Within us, nga wala totally na eradicate and we have to keep on battling it through the sanctifying word and um, or through the sanctifying work of the word and his spirit in our lives. 
And um, let me give you three reasons uh, why we have to strive for holiness in our lives. Okay, three reasons. First is this. We are to pursue holiness because this is what Jesus died for. Being called to a holy life is the reason Jesus died for us. In Ephesians 1, 3-4, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And in Ephesians 5, 25-27, Paul gave an instruction to husbands on how uh, to love their wives. And this passage also gives us the reason why Jesus, um, as the bridegroom, gave himself up for his bride, which is the church. Let's read. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with a word, so that he might be he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blameless. So see, Christ's goal as the church husband is to present the church to himself and splendor or in splendor that the church might be holy and blameless. Not that matay na to ang perfection diri sa kalibutan, right? But we are heading there. There must be an increasing holiness in us until one day Christ will come again and He will completely destroy evil and sin and we will be reunited with Him. Now, um, if you're honest, usahay mo dwell ra kayo taaning reality that God save us from our sins. You know, He loves us so much. He is a forgiving God. And that's really true. But we should not neglect what we are called to as well. The passages na ang gibasa um, called us to commit to a life of holiness because this is the reason why God chose us and why Jesus gave Himself for us. And hear me, we don't pursue holiness because we are scared that we are going to hell or God will stop loving us one day. Again, we are positionally holy. The reason why we want to pursue holiness is not so that we can be saved, but because we are saved, right? He chose us and Jesus bought you, bought us with, with his own blood to cleanse us from our sins and to make us holy. And you have to continue living out that identity. Usahay, we get stuck to this narrow view of salvation that since luwas naman ka, you know, live the life you want. Okay na if makasala ka. Now, I know that we are imperfect people. Each one of us naapagita gina-work out sa kinabuhi. But, the passages uh, we've read clearly tells us that our life must be marked by increasing holiness because it's the reason why Jesus died for us, to make us holy and blameless. Now, I'm not talking about sinless perfection here. Huh? I'm talking about a repentant life that when we sin, when we sin before God, um, if there's always that yearning Sa, sa ang mga kasing-kasing to live a holy life, to struggle with sin, to grieve when we sin and not enjoy sin and live a life that's really pleasing to God. Now, if wala kay desire nga na, I think you need to seriously consider whether or not your faith in Christ is real in the first place. Again, holiness is not an option. It is our calling because it is what Jesus uh, died for. Second, we are to pursue holiness to become more like Jesus. 
Maybe you're a part of a generation generation that saw holiness in terms of the things you don't do. For example, you're you're a holy Christian if you don't drink, smoke, or you go to the move or you go to the movies or um, listen to worldly music, no sex before marriage, no cheating, you know, no lies, and uh, and other things, right? Maybe this is why you don't like to hear about holiness because it seems to you that holiness is like following a big long list of rules. Usahay boring and overwhelming kaayo. Now, th- there's a truth that there are, there are things we need to forsake, but it's deeper than that actually. The focus should be not on the rules, all right? As as Jerry Bridges said, holiness is not a series of do's and don'ts, but conformity to the character of God and obedience to the will of God. Hope you get that. Now, para masabdan pagid nato ni, let's look at 1 Peter 1, 14-17. Peter said, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, it's clear here that holiness is being commanded from God's people, that be holy just as God is holy. Again, holiness is something that we strive for. But take note of this. Never miss this. Peter used a relational language here. He said in verse 14, that as obedient children. That's a familial phrase, right? Familial phrase. He was saying that you who belong to fa- the family of God through Christ, you are his children now and you ought to be holy just as your father is holy. Like father and like son, right? That's very important because holiness, here's the thing. Holiness first and foremost should be understood not in moral terms, but in relational terms. As God purchased us by the blood of His Son and we have a relationship with Him now, we are to be like our Father and we are to imitate Him as our Father. But how do we do that? How can we imitate Him? Now, the answer is by looking at or by looking to Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, the context here is it's talking about how the veil has been removed from believers through faith in Christ so we can see God with our minds and hearts. And, okay, let's read. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding or looking to the glory of the Lord, I believe this is referring to Jesus as the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of God's nature, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Okay, This is not something that we accomplish for ourselves through discipline or self-will, but it is the Spirit of God who makes this possible. But the point is this. When we look unto Jesus, okay, Jesus alone, who has lived the perfect and holy life and image God perfectly, when we look into Him, we begin to be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus, so that as we become more like Him, Jesus who imaged God's love, His purity, His mercy, and justice perfectly sa yang kinabuhi, we begin to increasingly image God ourselves sa ato ang mga kinabuhi. And here's the thing. Here's the truth. You become what you behold, Right? You become what you behold. If you behold false God, you become like them. If you behold money, it makes you greedy and stingy, right? If you behold power, it makes you harsh and demanding. If you behold approval, um, it makes you anxious and fearful. 
If you behold success, it makes you busy and restless. And the more we look at what the, the people of the world um, look to or what they behold, we become like the people of the world. But if we behold him, when we look to Jesus, we become like him and, and live like him, not like the world. So my point is this. The goal of a Christian is to enjoy and love and treasure Jesus so that we can be more like him. And if there's anything or any sin that gets in the way with our relationship with Jesus that is conforming us to the pattern of the world rather than conforming us to the image of Jesus, then we forsake them. So Christianity is not about... um. Primarily, or it's not primarily about the list of do's and don'ts. Dapat dili ni buhaton, or dapat na buhaton. Dapat kanira imuhang tanawon, or paminawan nga music. No, Christ-likeness is the goal of holiness. Christ-likeness is the goal of holiness. To behold Jesus through God's word so that we begin to adapt his whole lifestyle. To live as he lived and reject anything that doesn't follow to the pattern of his teachings and example. Anything that is conforming us to the pattern of the world rather than the image of Jesus. So, uh, we don't indulge to this addiction, or you have to be pure because you as his disciples, your ultimate goal is to become like Jesus, not to become like the people of the world. Again, holiness is not about the list of do's and don'ts, but it's about enjoying and having this fellowship with our Savior and, and our Creator. It's about pressuring Him in your life so that you can become more like him. And if you have a view of holiness, it's not boring or over overwhelming, right? Okay, so the third reason, we are to pursue holiness to be used by God. Now, the Apostle Paul told Timothy, yahang um young trainee, to excel in service to Christ, to become an honorable vessel, to be holy and set apart, to be used in a special way. And he concludes uh, with this charge in 2 Timothy um, 2.21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dis dishonorable, now if you read the surrounding passages, Annie, this refers to the wicked practices of those false teachers and Christians who have departed from the truth. And he told Timothy that Tim Timothy has to flee from these things that can make him an unclean vessel so that he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Now, um, if we live in sin and not pursue holiness, eventually sin robs us of our intimacy with God. And when we are not in as close fellowship with our Savior Jesus because of sin in our lives, we cannot really be like him and we become less fruitful. So listen, um, God wants you or God wants to use you. He wants you to be equipped and prepared for every good work. And I just remember the sermon of Pastor Mark um, about the ministries of God's Word from 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, that God's Word is useful for teaching, rebuking, for, for correcting us, and training us in righteousness so that you will, be, you will be equipped for every good work. But if you won't listen and just keep on disobeying God and continue to sin, the opposite reality will happen to you, that you won't be equipped for every good work. Diba? Um, it's not a dili na magamit, ha? Uh, you will always have the chance, but sayang po ng panahon 
Pero usahay, nga na jud ta. Gusto ta, gusto pa nato ma-experience ang pain and broken, brokenness sa atong sin before ta mo balik sa Ginoo, di ba? Usahay <laughs> nga na ta. And here's the thing, um obedience really matters, um brothers and sisters, because o- obedient living leads to holy living. Obedient living leads to holy living and it all comes down to a choice you make every day. It requires you to to choose to run away from the things that are not pleasing to God and choose to run towards those things that are in God's heart. And when you choose to obey God, God will transform you from the inside out and you become more useful to Him as you you reflect His character to the world around you. So live a holy life. Um, My encouragement for you, refuse to compromise and not allow sins uh, to destroy your intimacy with God so that you live a life that is distinct, different, and separate from the world, not of the world, you know, not common, but making more impact to the world. So again, uh, we have to understand we are made holy in our standing before God through Christ, you know, positionally speaking, you are holy. Uh, and But at the same time, we are also called to strive for holiness in our lives. Now, let me give you the three primary practices in the character formation or sanctification of a Christian to make this more uh, practical sa itong kinabuhi. So first is this. First practice, read God's word. Now, the first agent is scripture. Jesus made a statement in John 17, 17. He said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. God's word is the truth. God's word reveals to us what is reality. It reveals to us the perfect will of God that renews our mind so that we can be able to discern and what's excellent and perfect and pleasing to the Lord. His word is living and active and um, it reveals the sins in our hearts and provides us the way that leads to a holy life. And above all, it shows us who Jesus is so that we can be more like him and obey his teaching and example revealed in the scripture. So that's the first practice. Second practice, of course, partnering is as a word of God, yield to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's role is to use us or to use God's word to convict us atong sin and make us aware of our sins, confess it and repent from it. It's his role to help us understand God's word and help us remember when we need it in every situation. And it is his role as well to to um give us the power to put to death the desires of the flesh, this sinful nature within us that wants to sin. As Galatians 5.16, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So do you want to overcome sins in your own life? Yield in the power of the Spirit. On our own, it's impossible, but God has given us the provision of His Spirit in our lives to give us victory over sin, to make us more holy and useful to the Lord. And thirdly, fellowship with the believers. Okay, third practice. The body of Christ is essential to our sanctification. The Bible is full of one another commands, right? That as Christians, we are to love and care for one another, instruct one another, rebuke or spur one another to love and good works, um, encourage and pray, you know, confess your sins to one another and so on. So if we isolate ourselves sa community, we miss the blessings of being part of the community that are very important sa tong sanctification. So we all have experienced this, right? At some point sa itong life na experience nato din na nagigamit ang ginoo to encourage us nga magpadayon even though ka give up po na ka sa imong faith. Nagigamit ang ginoo um, to redirect, redirect us, okay? Um, because we're going to the wrong path 
or that God used someone to to uh, be accountable sa atong kinabuhi nga na ay sigig follow up sa atua if kumusta na taani nga struggle so that we can have a growing obedience to the Lord in some areas sa ato ang kinabuhi. So we all experience this, right? We know how crucial the fellowship of the believers in making us more like Jesus. So three um, practices for our sanctification. Read God's word, yield to the power of the Holy Spirit, and have fellowship. Walk with the believers, right? Um, sanctification is a community project. Now, uh, one final component of the skeletal structure of a church is spiritual authority. Okay, so this is the last uh, point. Spiritual authority. Now, we know that Christ is the head of the church and he mediates his role rule through a human institution like a group of elders, you know, with other leaders who help them serve the church. But the question of spiritual authority is a hard and really com- uncomfortable for a lot of people, right? Because we live in an anti-authority age in which skeptical tasa authority. We don't really know who to trust or if people in the authority are really trustworthy, right? Napa-usahay, tamakita nga mga leaders who are really abusing the authority to, or using the authority to abuse people and exploit people like in the church, even in the government, or even sa atong kaugalingon nga panimalay, di ba? Parents who are not a good example, who are not responsible, nga instead ilove ka, nitaker ka, um, gibiyaan ka, or gipasakitan ka, you haven't really felt that love and care from them in some way. Now, the mga baggage is good, ani, and negative connotation, aning a word, right? Um, and placing ourselves under the authority of someone is really hard. And sometimes it's really scary. And the mga suspicion. And I get that. And so, since um, we cannot really trust anyone, we then turn to ourselves and don't trust anyone but ourselves, right? Here's the truth. We live in a culture that has basically said that you as an individual are the only one that you can trust. You get to decide what you want to be. You get to define what's right and wrong and not allow any intervention or interference from, from others. I actually observe this sa ako ang anak. Okay? Uh, ako ang anak um, who will be turning two years old uh, next month. Nagpadungog-dungog ako. Basta naaganahan mag-gift diha. <laughs> just, just kidding. Now, nakita, na, nakita na ako ni sa akong kagalingon nga anak, uh, ihang tendency to really rebel against us as his parents. Like, he wants to do what he wants and if mo interfer, uh, interfere me, masuko din siya. Nasahin mag-wild pa. Now, wala nagtudluan na saya ha. But I just realized something that humans by nature are really rebellious. You know, we we see te- teenagers nowadays uh, like to be free from parental oversight. Wives don't like when their husbands tell them what to do. In business, iba na ang leader sa pamilya as God designed it. Mga wives na noon ang mga leader-lideron. Kinsa yung mga makarelate diha ang mga wifeys, right? And also, citizens don't want to submit to the government. Dagay critics and worse want to overthrow the, the government. And I don't know if makarelate ang mga riders ani, okay? Kana ganing kabalo ka na nag-violate ka sa rules and tawagon ka sa pulis imbes na muhunong ka, usahay di, di ka maminaw, <laughs> okay? The reality is this. Uh, we love to exercise authority. We, we want to be the authority. But we hate to have to obey it. Right? 
we want to live life according to our own authority um, uh, rather than someone else's authority, not even God's authority sometimes. And that's the challenge, and I get that. And I don't know your experiences from the people who have authority in your life or what your views, what sa authorities, but the Bible is clear that we must submit to authorities to honor God. In 1 Peter um, 2 verses 13 to 14, it says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as a, a supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. And in Romans 13, 1, it says, um, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Although this focuses on the leaders, you know, in the government, but we actually get a general principle here that every authority, every authority in the world, every human institution was established by God. There's no authority, in Romans 13, there's no authority except from God and those that exist have been appointed or instituted by God. So authority is God's idea and he appointed authorities that, that includes parents, government, uh, officials, and even church leadership. And I believe he appointed them for our good. And if we, we resist authorities, we are in effect resisting God's own authority and lordship. As a result, we are not really honoring the Lord. And we see this very clearly in the scenario with, with David and Saul. You know, if familiar with the story, David and Saul, um, David had been anointed as future king, and yet King Saul wanted to kill him. Gilabay niya og si David and had his soldiers come to his house to take him and chased him through the mountains. And yet David always said this, I will not touch God's anointed. Familiar mo, Anna, nga story? Let's read 1 Samuel. Um, 1 Samuel. Where am I? 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. 26, 9 through 11. But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him, for who can put out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? And David said, As the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him, or his, or his day will come to die, or he will go down into battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should put out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But take now the spear that is at his head and the jar of water and let us go. So see, for David, he realized that he, he, if he touched God's anointed, he would be guilty before God. It is really dishonoring before God. He saw God establishing Saul's leadership even though at this point Saul was in rebellion. So here's the thing. If you apply to the church, if you, are, if you are a member of Grupo Point Davao, you are called to submit to the leadership as a way to the Lord, uh, as a way to honor the Lord. Now, honestly, it's quite uncomfortable Zako, uh, to say this because I'm part of the leadership of the church, but I'm just stating the facts here, okay? Not my opinion. And yes, I know and I get it that it's hard. And maybe the reason why it's hard is because we don't really understand this word, submit. So let me just clarify, okay, what submission is not Okay, what submission is not? So two things. This is not a comprehensive list. So first, submission is not agreeing on everything. Submission is not agreeing on everything. Submission doesn't mean that we follow human authority and agree with what they said, even when it clearly when it's clearly wrong. 
Okay? Like when a pastor preaches a different gospel, submission doesn't mean although a pastor is teaching a um a wrong doctrine. God has made you with a mind. Okay, you have to think. You are a person, you are not a machine, you're a thinking being who is able to process if what has been taught or what has been preached is true. So if you have some confusion or clarifications or or na disturb ka sa ni pastor, talk directly to your pastor. And if na gi advice imuhang small group leader that you know dili gud siya in line with the scripture, talk to your leader. I I go with the flora ka or follow follow kung sa yung ni pastor or kung sa yung ni kuya o gati. But examine everything through the lens of the scripture. Remember this. I want you to remember this. The message has more authority than the messenger. The authority stays with the message, not the office of the person giving it. So I hope you, you get that. Um, this means that no person, no matter what the office he or she, she holds, is above rebuke if he deviates from the ultimate authority of God's word. God's word is our ultimate authority here. So as a church member, uh, you have the responsibility to evaluate the teaching ministry of the church. Like the Berean, kung ma-remember ninyo, the, the Bereans were commended noble, right? Because they examined the scriptures to, to ensure the things spoken by Paul were accurate. Wala lang sila nagtuo-tuo or follow lang kung unsa ni Paul. And I hope that's clear, okay? That submission doesn't mean you, uh, you agree on everything. Now, next. Submission doesn't mean uh, that those who submit are less, less important or inferior than those to whom we are told to submit. Now, this is not true because even Jesus was submissive to the plans of God the Father. In, in Philippians 2, 5 to 8, makita na to, uh, let's just read. Have this mind among yourself, which is in your in your which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in, in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Now, Jesus submitted completely to the authority of his father and became an obedient child, even to the point of death. Now, does it mean that Jesus is inferior to the Father? No. And does it mean that the church leaders are more superior superior th- than you because ing ana ilahang gives, you know, um, and and you think na ing ana raimohang gives and you feel less important? No. We complement each other, right? Each one of us has a gift and we can contribute to the to the body of Christ. We are all important and and God has gifted us. But here's the thing, we submit to the church leadership to honor God and to acknowledge um, God's design for for his church. All right? That we place ourselves under the authority of the church leaders who govern with the authority of God's word. And um so that we can really enjoy the blessings of being under that authority. To in, and to enjoy the blessings as, as the leaders lead you, as, as they um, shepherd you, as they teach you, or to protect you from false doctrine, or, or to make you mature and equip you, or even the blessings of rebuke and correction so that dili ka magbadayon into a distractive path. So I hope you get what submission is not and what submission is. Now, um, I want to 
to speak to the church leadership. That that includes me and those who belong to the leadership team in our church. Uh, you know who you are and wala po tayo lusot, okay? Wala tayo lusot, Ani. Um, dili lang ang church members ang dapat makasabot aning a skeletal truth, um, but kita po as part sa leadership. Here's the thing. If our authority as leaders um, comes from God, as na mentioned ganiha, then we must define and exercise our authority according to His design and purpose. And here's the truth. One of the paradoxes of Christian leadership is that le- the leader is not the boss, but a servant. Someone who follows in the footsteps of Jesus who washed his disi- disciples' feet. Now, if you remember time, um, if you remember the time where the mother of the sons of Zebedee uh, came to Jesus and asked Jesus to let James and John sit at the right hand and the left hand of Jesus, and and the other disciples can right? And the disciples were in conflict about who among them would be the greatest in Jesus' kingdom. But this is actually what Jesus said in Matthew um twenty. Verses 25 through 27. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Now, this is referring to the Roman rulers who demanded their right to be served and respected by those under their command. But Jesus said to them, "Um, It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So clear kayo diri, um, that service, it's service, not dominion, is our calling as leaders. Following the example of our Master, Jesus. But honestly, um, struggle kayo ni, um, sa tua, because usay na influence ta sa leadership in the world you know leadership in the world is different you know in the secu- secular uh, culture today authority is often associated with control dominance or a privilege belonging only to the powerful and we are not invulnerable any if we are not careful because of pride sa tong kasing-kasing we see leadership as a platform towards greatness and glory as a platform to exercise dominion rather than service but we have to remember that servant leadership is Jesus mandate for us it's not about serving self but it's about serving others sacrificially it's about denying self for the sake of others now honestly there there's so much uh, to talk about roles and responsibilities of soccer church leader and atuara ni siya go through next time. But for now, hope we get this. That leaders, um, we are called to serve people and not to be the bosses of people because that's um, Jesus' command and His example for us. And I hope it's clear as well for you if you are a member of the church that you submit to the, to the leaders as a way to honor our God and to enjoy the blessings that we can get under the authority of someone that God appoints. And here's my point. The church can only be or the church can only function properly when the leaders lead like Christ would lead and the members submit properly to them as a way to honor God. Again, um these are the five skeletal truths that we need to embrace as a church and not really compromise. Okay. First is the glory of God as the our ultimate goal, the absolute priority of the word of God, and thirdly, sound doctrine. 
And fourth is growing in personal holiness because our God is holy and this is what Jesus died for. And holiness should not be like a scary word for us as his disciples because we are called to become like our master Jesus, right? By by beholding him through his word and through the power of the Holy Spirit changing us to become more and more like Jesus, not like the world. And lastly, we are um, called to submit to spiritual authority as a way to honor God. We can trust God in His sovereignty and wisdom that He is in control as the head of the church. Okay, He is in control of everything and um, He appointed these leaders not by accident um, but by His power and um, we who have been given and I mean, and ex- also experience the blessings of being under that authority. And we who have been given the privilege to under shepherd God's fl- flock, um, we have to remember that we exercise our God-given authority not by dominion, but in humility and love towards those under our care. So thank you everyone for joining us. Um, next week, we will focus on the internal system, referring to the certain spiritual attitudes we need to cultivate. And I hope you are excited for that and I hope you are blessed today. So let me end this in prayer. Father, we praise you for who you are and for what you've done for us through Jesus. The fact that you've created us and bought us by, by your own blood, um, it, it should make us realize, Lord, that we don't really own our lives anymore. You own us. You purchase us and we have been set apart for you and for your service alone. And if there's any sin in our hearts today, Lord, if there's anything in us that is not pleasing to you, I pray that we will repent and and turn from our sins and run to Jesus. And may we increasingly see the beauty of Jesus radiating from the pages in the Bible so that as we behold him, we become more like him and live a life pleasing to you. Enable us as well to to submit to the spiritual authority as you have commanded us and with a willing and a humble heart, knowing that you appointed leaders for a reason and it is absolutely for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. So blessed Sunday, everybody. You are love and God bless you.